What is the secret art of business? The creative side of our brain and the business side of our brain may seem like two separate entities, but they are actually interconnected and complementary. The creative side of our brain can bring fresh and innovative ideas to the table, while the business side of our brain can turn these ideas into practical and profitable solutions. By tapping into both the creative and business side of our brains, we can find a balance between risk-taking and practicality, leading to more success and fulfillment in both our personal and professional lives. I'm Katherine Lane Klein, entrepreneur and creative person, and in this podcast, we will hear success stories from people that are doing exactly that, and hopefully giving you ideas of how you can too. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Secret Art of Business, and today my guest is Stephanie Davinskis, and her business is Sizzle Force Marketing, and what's so funny is I've never forgotten that name from the minute you said it, because it is just so freaking catchy. (laughs) So welcome, Stephanie, and thank you so much for being here today. Ah, thank you. It's a pleasure. (laughs) You have just, I mean, a lot of hats that you wear in your business. And um, you do marketing, which is very close to my heart because I used to do that before I I did this. And I love how marketing people think. And you have now been faced with this whole new change agent, if you will, that is called AI. And if people stay tuned towards the end, I want you to kind of dig in that a little bit more. But for right now, just as a top layer... What are you doing at, um, at at Sizzle Force that you're excited about? Yeah, well, what I'm really excited about right now is where the world is is at, where we're talking about AI, all things AI. Um, <laughs> we are a um, a fractional CMO agency, and we do fractional CMO work as well as implementation. However, now that AI has become something that's known by the masses. We are an agency that is powered by AI and perfected with HI. And HI stands for human intelligence. I love that. And I want you to kind of explain what a fractional CMO is, because I think more people might need it than they think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when you're running a company and you have outgrown the phase of DIY slash hiring contractors on Upwork to do random jobs but you are not in the phase of hiring an internal marketing department. We are the fractional CMO is the perfect midpoint, right? That's, that's the time where you need a fractional CMO. A fractional CMO provides the high level leadership, strategic direction and whatnot for the marketing team. In our, in most fractional CMOs, you just get that, and then they will guide you to the process of hiring other people. We do it a little differently. Our implementation team comes with the package. So you get me as your fractional CMO doing the high-level strategy and direction. You also get my implementation team to do all the day-to-day work. And because we already work together and we have our rhythm and all that stuff, you don't have to deal with any of those uh, difficult kinks and wondering, are people going to be reliable? Are they any good? Are they going to meet deadlines? What is our price point going to be? All of that is erased. Because your team's got it. You know, you we get it, there it and you got it because you've done it. Yeah, we're all, You can think of us as an all-inclusive marketing department that is available for you on a part-time basis. I love it. And 
you also could pair well with um, people they might already have on their team too. Like they might have more junior staff or something that could really use some leadership or um, be able to plug in somehow. You can definitely work with their team that's in place too. Yeah, for sure. We often will um, will train junior staff members to do certain things so that uh, the company knows they're being trained by seasoned experts who have been in the trenches and actually done the thing as opposed to just, you know, a lot of these kids, I have three of them. So <laughs> I know I have two kids in college right now. It, right when you get out of school, you don't know how to do anything, right? right. You, think you, you are do. learning on your own. What's that? You think you do. <laughs> you think you know everything. Exactly. But uh, you really know a lot of classroom theory. That's what you know, right? And maybe you picked up a little thing with an oh, internship yeah. along the way, right? But we um, we often are training those employees and how to do things right. And it's great for the company because they know they're getting trained by seasoned marketing experts that are literally in the trenches day to day. It's not classroom theory. It's day to day working with other companies, growing companies. What does it look like? I really, really love that. And I love that you also kind of introduced it by saying, you know, when you're you're kind of past the DIY because a mm-hmm. lot of entrepreneurs or people that are growing their business just try and figure it out. And there is a love for that when you are an entrepreneur, the figuring out, you know, I know what I want this to say, but there is a point where you do kind of need to tap out and kind of pass it on to somebody who even knows more so you can get back to just being that president, that entrepreneur and, and grow in other ways. So that's yeah, oftentimes when an entrepreneur unless they have a significant marketing background, oftentimes if they insist on staying in that marketing role, that's the biggest bottleneck to their success. Yes. And that was probably one of, well, I know it was, it is one of the very last things I let go of <laughs> because I did have a marketing <laughs> background and, but yeah. then I got, it only got so far, got me so far, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, we, we do outsource a lot of that now too, because yeah, I don't, I, after a while, you know, you just don't have time for that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Stephanie, when you were very, very young, this is before you went to school to be a journalist, because I did look that up. Um, what were you doing as a kid that was fun and creative and really started sparking this um, this interest in other things other than just, you know, you could because you could have done anything. But you you started somewhere just finding things that really kind of sparked your curiosity and your innovation. So what were some of those things that you did as a very young child that, um, yeah, there, really there were two, that. <laughs> <laughs> there were really kind of two umbrellas when it came to fun as a kid for me. And one of them was drama. Um, I was in every school play, every church play, every, everything. Mm-hmm. If it involved a stage, I wanted to be on it. I wanted to sing. I wanted to dance. I wanted to recite lines. I wanted to do all of those things, which little did I know would end up being a wonderful skill to have as an adult, because now I can get on a stage and teach without fear. And I can teach in a way that um, I can read an audience and I can teach in a way that's going to deeply resonate with them and make people laugh and, you know, make learning fun. Right. Um, The other theme was writing. I started writing in a diary. It was a hot pink 
hot purple, actually, hot purple diary that I got from, remember those Scholastic book fairs? Oh, that they yes. Used to yes. And you get a paper little magazine where you could pick out your books. Mm-hmm. And they had this hot purple book and it had a lock on it. Because it was like yes. classy, right? Yep. <laughs> you got big secrets that you need to lock yeah. up. <laughs> I had a lot of secrets in sixth grade, I'm telling you. Um, and I got that in the sixth grade and I wrote in a diary. That was the beginning of something. I Again, I had no idea where it would lead. But I wrote in a diary every single day of my life um, until I became a mom. And then I was so tired from sleepless nights. <laughs> that I could not write. <laughs> so, yes. But that in turn um, really developed a love of writing um, for me where, you know, it started out with these silly little sixth grade, you know, whatever's that yeah, I, yeah. I wrote about. Yeah. And it, it really just developed this absolute adoration for the written word and uh, writing in a way that connects with emotions, mm, right? Yes. lends itself perfectly to what I've made my living doing. I was already starting to see that connection as you were starting to tell that story, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is, which is really, really awesome. But you, you chose um, journalism uh, yeah. to go in, into school with as, as a major. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got from journalism to marketing. Yeah, that, um, so the original plan was to be actually a, uh, a broadcaster, right? I wanted to be behind the news desk and, and one of those people. I had a terrible professor my sophomore year. No, it must have been my junior year because I was in my major classes. I had a terrible professor that year look at me and tell me, Stephanie, you're never going to make it. And I was this young, impressionable, you know, 20-year-old young woman, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, why aren't I going to make it, Dr. Wolfmeyer? That was his name. Is it, doesn't he sound bad? Wolfmeyer, <laughs> right? Um, and I said, why am I not going to make it, Dr. Wolfmeyer? And he said, your voice is too squeaky. You'll never make it on air. And I was absolutely shattered, wow. right? Yeah. Um, but I was, and I was also very highly impressionable. Right. And, um, so I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to make it in that road. So I better look at plan B, which in a way is kind of sad, but in another way is kind of awesome because it led to what I really was meant to do. Right. Yes. yes. So, um, so plan B was, uh, I'm going to go into feature writing. And um, so that was my emphasis in school, feature writing. And it was magazine article writing specifically. And um, that was, you know, this is pre-internet. So different world then. Mm -hmm. And and then um, when I was, I think it was the, well, it must have been my senior year. We had a school newspaper for my university and started working in the advertising department of the school newspaper. And then I found out that I loved selling and I got to write ads. And I was like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. And then three weeks after I graduated from college, I got my first job at a newspaper uh, selling ad space and writing copy for small businesses. And that was the beginning professionally. That's really, really a great story. 
<laughs> and I, it's, it's great because, I mean, there were, you know, some ob- obstacles that were thrown in your way, this professor being one of them. And yeah. you just kind of figured out, you know, but I'm still good at something. And I'm going to kind of figure out what that is. Even, I mean, yeah. I, I could totally see you being on the news or something as a broadcaster. <laughs> to be honest. So I don't, I don't know if that was the best. I don't even know if that was even advice. I think if anything, he could have said, you know what, you could work on your voice. Here's how you can do that. Exactly. You're never gonna, you're exactly. never gonna make it. <laughs> how how yeah. terrible! But again, like you said, it worked out. And uh, I look at stuff like that as you know, for whatever reason, fate or whatever decided to throw this in there because I was going the wrong direction, and there was another right. direction I needed to go. So I, that's that's what makes that story just so freaking wonderful. And <laughs> so you started working for other people, and then at what point did you decide? You know what? I'm gonna just found a company now and I'm going to be my own CEO. Yeah. So, um, I worked in the newspaper and then .com became a thing. The internet was born. Okay. Not the Al Gore version of the internet, but, <laughs> but the one that, you know, mainstream USA was using, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I jumped, I, I love new things. I love being on the cutting edge. So I jumped right over into the dot-com space in, in the marketing department. And then wireless became a thing. And I jumped right into that. Okay. Well, as we all know, um, that was a, a very, what's the word we should use for that? That was a very um, crazy world where one day you'd have a ton of funding and the next day all the investors would pull yes. out. Yep. And so I was working with a startup and they lost their funding. And literally at four o'clock in the afternoon, one day, everyone was called into the staff room and they said, don't come back tomorrow because we lost our funding and you won't have a job and the doors are closed. <laughs> we were like, okay. okay. <laughs> um, and so I went home, I was newly married at the time. And I was like, maybe I should just do my own thing. Then nobody can close the doors on me. And my husband was like, yeah, why don't you go for it? So that was the beginning. I started my first company. It was also a marketing company, had a very specific niche of working with nonprofit Christian organizations. Mm -hmm. And I did that for several years until I had my first baby. And then I became a reproduction machine and I spit three more out. And (laughs) then And then in 2009, I had a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to get back to doing what I love. And I tiptoed back in, you know, very much on a part-time mom basis. But I did that, and, and now the kids are grown, and here we are. That's that's really great, too. And I... And I your story, I th- I'm hoping, is going to resonate with other women who kind of get in that situation, too, where, you know, you, you really found out something, you know, figured out, you know, this is not working. I'm going to start my own thing. This is what I'm good at. I'm going to focus on that, that you take the time for the children. And yet you're like, you know what, I'm coming back and I'm going to come back hard on this. And I, I think you've really created something that is, I, I think, so useful for people and can be so helpful. Um, so you're, it's, it's all of these worlds kind of coming together, you know, between the journalism and the drama and the, <laughs> and the writing yeah. and all yeah. these things. Cause I mean, honestly, that's what marketing is. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you've kind of cued me up to the kind of ask this question now, which is about AI, because you talked about, you know, what this 
and we, you know, we, we talk about in a way where sometimes a lot of this stuff happened like so long ago, pre.com and all that. It really wasn't all that long ago. We have had yeah. a lot of change in our careers that we have had to respond to. And now yeah. you have the next thing you're tackling is AI. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that because I do still want this to be about you and, you know, how you felt at the time of like, okay, here it is. Cause we all, because there's a lot of people who will be listening. They'll be like, you know, hear it. And they're like, oh my God, what do I do? You know, mm-hmm. let's talk about, you know, how, um, how we should be feeling right now, I guess, and what we, maybe what we should be doing and how you see this, I'm going to guess more as a tool than something that we need to kind of be totally freaked out about. <laughs> so Yeah. Okay. Well, I will be the first to say that, you know, I started playing around with AI about four years ago, right? I learned about it um, at a marketing conference and started playing around with some tools, but the rest of the world didn't catch up really until November, right? <laughs> December. <laughs> okay. So I, I had already made a decision about AI that I was like, eh, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's never going to be as good as a human writer. It's just right. whatever. If you don't know how to write, sure. Okay. Um, so I, and I'm going to be very transparent. So at first I was a snob about it and I was like, no, not interested. Okay. Then when the whole world started talking about it, then I got fearful because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I have done this for 28 years. Right. This is how I've been my living. And now everybody is saying they don't need me. They can get this with chat GBT. And I quite frankly, completely freaked out. Um, and I had a good six week freak out period. Okay. Um, and then I was like, I have to like pull a Madonna. It's time to reinvent myself. Right. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And I was like, you know, I used to be excited about all these changes. Why I feel so scared now. Right. I'm like, Oh, it must be part of getting older. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> And then one day it just hit me and I was like, you know what? If we're going to do an AI puppet show, I'm going to learn how to be the puppeteer. And um, (laughs) so I, I just had a full mindset shift, kind of got sick of my own sad, fearful story and was just like, I got to do something different. I got to grab this by the horn. So we went all in all in. I completely pulled my team off of almost every other project and redirected my entire agency to go all in and learn everything that we could about AI marketing tools. Okay. Um, So to answer your question about uh, how everybody else should feel, I can't tell you how they should feel. Everyone needs to feel the way they want to feel. Right. Um, However, I know that there is a a segment of the population who is very fearful of AI, very fearful. And I understand why, because for six weeks I was in the exact same place, right? What I learned as I got deeper and deeper and deeper into studying it is that AI is like the best assistant you've ever had in your life. It's the assistant that does the grunt work you don't want to do anyways. It's the assistant that takes things 90% of the way and then just leaves about 10% of the room for you to polish and perfect, right? It's the assistant who never gets sick, never complains, never demands a raise, right? Mm -hmm. And 
Um, so my encouragement to people is to understand that this is a wonderful, wonderful tool and asset that we have. This is not a threat. I don't believe it's going to take anybody's job. I believe it is going to call humans to a higher level of thinking and that our responsibilities and our roles are going to be reassigned. We as humans are going to have the role possibly of overseeing AI implementation, right? But is it going to do our jobs for us? For the most part, it is not. Now, if somebody has a very low level type job, I would say those people might be in the most danger, right? Um, but again, I still believe those people will be reassigned to different tasks. The world is not going to, you know, there is no human on this planet that's going to be like, yep, I don't ever need to talk to a human again. I don't ever need to work with a human again. I don't ever need to buy from a human again, right? This is not the way that we were created to think. And so, you know, there's, I think anybody who's saying like, they're going to take all our jobs. You've seen too many Transformer movies. Chill out. <laughs> not. <laughs> so. They all get destroyed in the end anyway, don't they? Um, right. The, the equivalent I like to think about, because uh, this, again, I, I'm going to guess, at least it happened in my lifetime. I, I won't date you. But uh, when Max came out, I was very much um, in, in college and, you know, everybody was like, well, what's this whole new Macintosh thing and what's, what's this going to mean? And I do remember in my first job, which I did get because I knew how to use a Macintosh, by the way. I think that was really the only reason I was hired. But um, I did see a lot of production people get, you know, key liners and the people that worked, you know, the, the stat cameras and things are laid, you know, literally laid out copy, get very, very mm -hmm. nervous because all of those tools went into the hand of the designer. Now, the right. people that decided, and I will say decided, to educate themselves about this new technology did perfectly fine. They actually kind of elevated themselves now into designer level versus just being a production person. So yeah. is that a fair comparison? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And you know, it's with the advent of anything new roles and responsibilities change, right? So those people that had those tasks before, I mean, they didn't render themselves unemployed for the rest of their lives right? Hopefully they didn't anyways. There's no reason they should have. They should have just been repositioned into doing something else, right? I mean, it's like I think about it like when, you know, when uh, trains came along, right? When airplanes came along, all of a sudden it was no longer um, you can walk or take a ship. It's you can get on this train that moves on the ground at racing speeds. You know, I did that worry all the people that ran the ships probably right did the, the when, when operators got a little sweaty <laughs> yeah, you know, when, the, when the plane became a thing did that make all the train people go like oh no we're not gonna have jobs anymore right i you know what it's the way the world progresses uh, you know and it's normal to have fear um but you, i love the way that you said it's a choice because it 150% is a choice, right? I mean, there were plenty of people 
back in the 90s who put their head in the sand, dug their heels in and said, I will not learn this internet thing. Yes, I'm not doing this website thing. This is ridiculous. This is a trend, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, it's pretty good trend. (laughs) So oddly caught on. Um, but yeah. to speak to those people, they're like, you know what? I'm not going to do another wave of this. They can call you. They can call you at Sizzle Force and <laughs> you could be their, their, um, their marketing team and they won't have to worry about it at all. They can just, you'll say in their own comfort zone. And, and I, and I would advise that really for anybody, if you kind of get into some sort of position, I don't, I mean, I, like I can't drive a, a, a semi truck, but if I needed a bit, something hauled, trust me, I'm going to hire someone to do it for me. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a little bit of, you know, kind of picking your own poison here too, but you, but it's, it's not that tough. I like that you said too, at the very beginning, you just started to play with it. And that's one of the things I first did, but it was November for me. It wasn't, you know, four years ago. <laughs> like, let me just play with this and see what happens. It's, it's really kind of cool. It is a cool tool. I will say that chat GPT is what I'm talking about specifically, but I've seen some of the other things too, which I thought were really kind of interesting as well. But again, it is still just artificial intelligence. You know, it's not human intelligence and we still need to have that work for us. And maybe we can just work a lot easier if we have both. Um, well, I'll tell you what the key is with AI. Okay. If you really want to take the results from being mediocre to amazing, the key is training the bot. Right. And you have to train the bot to do what you want it to do. Now that sounds that might make your listeners be like, Oh my gosh, I'm not like an IT person or a coder. I don't know how to train bots, whatever. Um, it's actually surprisingly simple. It comes down to knowing what the right questions are to ask and then answer for your AI tools. Right. And, you know, people like me, we, we teach people how to train their bots, mm-hmm. right? And you do not have to know anything about technology to do it very, very successfully and completely elevate what you're getting from a tool like ChatGPT or whichever one you choose. You get, you take your results from here to way up here, you know, 300 feet higher, and it can happen in as little as a couple of hours. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, just between the two of us, I am a firm believer in that the client never knows exactly what they want. So if they try typing that into GPT, um, they're never going to get the answer that they want anyway. <laughs> so that's where, right. that's where the marketing people can come in and just say, okay, I'm going to ask you the questions and then we'll figure out yeah. what it is that you want. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Very cool. I loved your insight. I love that you kept it, you know, just very understandable and calming. And um, that's going to be a, a really great help for many people. Um, and I'm also just going to p- put a fine point on. I love that you your career developed, you know, from journalism to basically advertising and out of this. Oh, drama. I can't forget that piece, too, because that has all led to this, which is uh-huh. really, really kind of cool. And staying really f- in touch with all of that has gotten to where you are today, which is really on the cutting edge of technology. It's just so fantastic. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And and if you see me on the road, I'm probably in my car singing musical songs. So <laughs> just so you know, the drama thing never left. I love it. I I, mean, I, really, I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. This, this was so much fun. And I, I think that you've helped a lot of people in a, in a little different way than um, I guess normally do. Um, so thank you again. 
Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. The Secret Art of Business is supported by Portfolio Creative. Portfolio Creative is a recruiting and staffing company specializing in finding marketing talent. Go to PortfolioCreative.com to get started in finding your next marketing person or your next job. We are experts. We are creative. We are good humans. Please subscribe or follow this podcast to get the latest episodes. And let me know if there's someone you think of that would be a great guest on the show. Here we can build a community that believes creativity and drive can work together.